The blueberry industry is like no other, passionate, resilient, and innovative. This podcast is your source for the latest information on the production, markets, research, and technology related to blueberry production. This is the business of blueberries. Here's your host, president of the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council, Casey Cronquist. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Business of Blueberries, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to the blueberry industry. It's September now, so we're gearing up for our virtual conference and expo. So if you've never attended the fall meetings before, this is going to be a great chance to join leaders from across the industry from the comfort of your own home or office. And that's happening September 28th through October 1st. Registration, thanks to our sponsors, is completely free. And you just need to head over to blueberryevents.org to register today. And we're really excited about some of our keynotes and certainly a lot of the concurrent sessions that you'll learn more about by visiting our website. One important topic that will certainly be discussed at our virtual conference and expo is health research. As many of you know, the research about the healthy properties of blueberries has been instrumental to the growth of our industry. That's what we're going to talk about in today's episode, and we have on the show someone who has been a part of that growth over the past four decades, Mr. Dave Brazelton. Dave, thanks for joining me on the business of blueberries. Thanks, Casey. Glad to be here. Yeah, you and your wife, Barbara, started Fall Creek Nursery in Oregon in 1978, so I thought we'd just talk a little bit about you know, what, your, what your business looks like today and, and kind of where you guys got started from. Sure. Barb and I, like you say, we bought the farm. Uh, it was kind of a rundown operation with a, a lady trying to sell it to get out from under it. It had a nursery, an ornamental nursery, some blueberries, and then a blueberry nursery, very small, and then a, a couple of acres of blueberry fruit. We bought it because we wanted to farm farm blueberries. We thought that we could grow about five acres of blueberries and live happily ever after. But, you know, that was the that was the worldview in the 60s and 70s. And as we look back, that didn't work very well, but we certainly uh, launched a, um, a good episode in our lives. I think the first 20 years, we've always been involved in fruit blueberries and fruiting blueberries. We, we had uh, production fields through the first 20 years. But as the nursery business grew and we served that industry and worked with growers and that steadily grew along, it kind of grew in and started to crowd out our um, our blueberry fruit growing. And we had to focus on one or the other. And so we, we really continued to focus on the nursery and also breeding and developing new varieties. Uh, started about mid-90s. We'd always been involved in that. And that's become a big part of our business now. And, you know, it was back in 20, 2010 um, when the second generation, uh, you know, when you're when you're my age and almost retired, uh, you still call them the kids, but now they're in their, their late 30s and 40s. But the second generation came back to the farm and we were in a strategic planning session trying to think of what we do going forward. And we recognized that we had to make a decision to we branch out to other uh, crops and expand that and stay geographically. Or do we expand and follow blueberries around the world? As this health message was, was traveling around the world, blueberries were growing around the world. And uh, we decided then to do it that way. Strategic plans are all easy on a whiteboard or a chalkboard that we've done before. They're a, a lot harder to do virtually. 
But we took off and and now we have um, operations, our home operation here, of course, in Oregon. We have four nurseries here and we focus here in the U.S. It's our primary uh, focus. But we also have operations down in, in Mexico and Chile, Peru, Spain, the Netherlands and South Africa. So we've we've kind of spread around the world. It's a international company now and changed a great deal in those 10 years. Well, I have to say, having had the chance to come visit you and kind of walk the property and the fields and your testing field, it was, I, I, I don't know that unless you see it for yourself, that you can really appreciate the extent and the investment and the commitment over time that it takes to create what you and your family have done in the blueberry business, particularly. You know, we recently had an episode with Tom Avanellis, and he mentions his relationship with Dave Brazelton. He actually talks about, you know, buying his first plants at the Tulare Farm Show. So I don't know if you remember that. I remember it well. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, your reputation precedes you in this podcast in the sense that there seems to be kind of this all roads lead back to Dave Brazelton relationship for so many people in our business. And so it's just, it's neat to see those connections. I know you and I have sat down and talked about the small world that the blueberry business really does represent and, and yet just how much it's changed and grown over time. You know, we could probably spend a lot of time riffing on all the changes that we're seeing today. But on top of all of the work you're doing at Fall Creek, you're also our committee chair of the Health Research Committee. We're going to dive deeper into this and what's happening there. But before we do, we need to take a break for our crop report. Uh, there's a chance to hear what's happening in the blueberry industry directly from those in the field. There's always important information shared on these calls and plenty of personality go with it. So here, once again, is your blueberry crop report. It's time now for the Blueberry Crop Report, an update on crop conditions and markets from those in the field. Today, you'll hear from Doug Kramer in Oregon, Brian Sakuma in Washington, Luis Vegas in Peru, and Rex Schultz in Michigan. This report was recorded on September 2nd, 2020. I'm Doug Kramer from Oregon, and Oregon is uh, moving into a warm spell for Certainly for the month of September, we're not used to these kind of temperatures, but it's going to move the last of our blueberries uh, along and ripen them right up. We should be shipping them all the fresh picked stuff out of here in the next week or two. There will be some continued uh, minor amounts of production from the fringes, some small microclimate areas that uh, will continue at least through September and probably into the first week or two of October. And most growers are pretty busy uh, cleaning their fields up and uh, getting them ready for winter. So that's where we are in Oregon at this point in time. Brian Sakuma from Washington. Uh, we're getting down to the final harvest uh, in eastern Washington. It's pretty much done in eastern Washington. There's a few people that have some late varieties, but they're pretty much finished. And western side, we're finishing up the Liberty pick, third pick, and we're in the middle between the first and second pick of Elliott's and some of the last calls. So we're, we're getting down to where we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel here. Hello, everybody. This is Luis with the report from Peru. 5.4 million pounds were exported last week from Peru. 
which represents an increase of 29% uh, versus the same week of last season. Up till the end of August, Peru has exported into the US 26.8 million pounds. Uh, our forecast for this season for the US markets is uh, to export from Peru 180 million pounds, which represents an increase of 25% versus uh, the volume that was exported on the previous season uh, with 144 million pounds. That's that's our, our report up till this point of the season. Peru is entering uh, its main stage. So there's a lot of, of busy weeks coming ahead. Hi, this is Rex from Michigan, Cohen. We're uh, getting down to the end here in Michigan as well. We've had some beautiful weather, but in the southern counties, we're pretty much finished. There's a few growers that are picking a little bit, but they're at the very end, and they'll probably be completed of all their fresh varieties by the weekend, or if not, Monday, Tuesday at the latest, on their second and third round of Elliott's. North of us, a little bit, they're usually a little bit behind us, and uh, they're in their second pick, and they'll probably be completed pretty much on their hand picks uh, by the end of next week. And everyone is just doing a little bit of field cleanup. Uh, process market down here is is pretty much done. And um, up north of us, they're pretty much done with their process as well. So we're just uh, waiting for it to finish, I guess. Everything's been good. The second round, we had a little bit of an issue with uh, sizing. So I think our volumes are going to be about the same as last year. We're going to be in that 90 million range for this season. But if we'd have had some bigger sizing, we'd have been... Uh, probably up a little bit but that's about all every it's just enjoyable comfortable weather in michigan right now thanks again to our growers that show up even in the harvest to provide this information every week we record these crop reports right before this podcast is released to give you the most up-to-date information possible dave you're the committee chair for our health research committee so talk to us a little bit like how did you get started being responsible for being chair of the health research committee for USHBC? Well, it could have been, that's a good question, uh, Casey, when I think about it, it, it could have been one of those things where somebody's got to do it. But <laughs> actually, uh, before USHBC, back in the 90s, uh, of course, there was North American Blueberry Council, and the kind of the health discovery happened before we had USHBC. There was some research that came out from back east at Tufts University, a researcher by the name of Jim Joseph. That was one that really hit that was showing some of the bioactive effects of blueberry consumption with aged rats. And they actually in studies that he was doing, he's a behavioralist, cognitive behavioralist on specializing in aging. And um, what he was uh, able to find in the research that he did was that these older rats that actually added blueberries to their diet in many areas of measurement actually um, improved their performance in memory, in balance, all the things that start to go as we get older. And those were models for aging. And that kind of hit the news at the time there when a lot of people were starting to get interested in food as a direct contributors to health. 
You remember the wine information? Everybody loved the red wine information. Of course, gave, yeah. us, gave us a reason to have that glass of wine at night <laughs> and other pieces. But that hit at the right time. And I remember being kind of frustrated there in the late 90s. I saw this potential. Geez, we could do more of this. We could explore more of this. But certainly NABC didn't have a, the budget, didn't have the wherewithal to do that kind of uh, work. And when we started talking about U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council, and I looked at how promotion and research commissions or orders are put together, I was really supportive because I thought this could be a good vehicle for that. I've always had a bent for the science part and enjoyed it and was interested in it. When we started and we formed committees, that was one of the earliest committees and not sure if I volunteered or somebody drafted me. I can't quite remember, but um, I, I've had the pleasure of being the chair ever since. You you missed the meeting. That's that's what happened. You weren't there. Oh, I, I bet I missed the meeting. Oh, yeah. And came back and said, why don't you be chair? You're chair. I, I do remember thinking, well, I'll be chair for a year or two, and then somebody more qualified can take this over. <laughs> how, how many years now? I mean, we've been... Been 20 know? years. 20 years. 20 years, I think. It's our 20th anniversary. And I've had the pleasure of chairing the committee for those 20 years and watching, uh, uh, being along for this ride. Oh, my gosh. It's just been fantastic. Well, and I think, you know, even in some of the conversations we've had on this show already, where we talk about the benefit that blueberries have had, that the, how the health message has, you know, really cascaded the blue wave ever forward. And benefiting, you know, still today. I mean, we we really, as a as a category and as blueberries, you know, own a important piece of health real estate. Let's say on messaging about our fruit that just other industries admire, other categories aspire towards. And in large part, it was research that initiated, then translated to more research over time. But you know, maybe you could talk a little bit about that history and your experience with, you know, that initial research, but how that has evolved over time from your perspective. Yeah. You know, for me, when I started out as, uh, as chair and we assembled really motivated, talented committee members, our committee members tend to be people that are interested in science their growers or come from some of the technical parts of the industry. We have a great group from across the country. But I think the key on this is, yes, we've got a great product, but the process isn't accidental. When we looked at this, we decided we needed to do three things. Number one, we needed to use growers' hard-earned money really wisely. We had to be careful with every penny that we spend and make certain if we're going to invest it in health research or in other, uh, other parts of that, that it was a strong investment. The next one is we needed to develop system protocols that were state of the art. The behind the scenes on this, how we request proposals, what institutions do we go to, what's process that we put together. Those are the types of things that we did through the years to actually, in many ways, keep up with or outcompete commodity groups that were much larger than ourselves for this health message. I think we had blueberries were a 
We're a great product, but you've got to do the work and build the body of science. And in order to do that, you've also got to be a product that's easy to work with and attractive to world-class scientists to be able to do the work. And we quickly gained that reputation. And I think it put us in the right position at the right time over the last 20 years. So there's a lot of thought and protocol. The last thing that we decided is we wanted to keep investigating the health benefits as long as they were there. I don't think any of us saw how wide and deep these were going to go, but we wanted to always investigate new possibilities. And that's carried us a long way. So those three ideas right from the beginning have carried us through the last 20 years. Well, and I think that huge body of science for the blueberry industry, you know, that continued investment over time has built off of a place that others may have rested on their laurels, that, you know, a claim was established or an understanding about the blueberry was established. And what I think has been impressive about the work your committee has done and USHBC has set forth is just this continued investment over time to not let one moment in time define what the blueberry really represents. And so maybe you can talk a little bit about how that has evolved, that body of work. And, you know, most recently, I know we did some work on heart health and, and how you have seen that investment change over time into these other areas. Yeah, that's a great question. I think part of the strategy of our funding strategy that we've had is we go out to put out our request for proposals to work with these leading scientists, we may want to focus on a certain area for a year or two, but we're always looking and we invite proposals for new areas of investigation. This has led us to a lot of areas that we didn't have in the past. A good example is I remember years ago getting some proposals on insulin sensitivity, people that were predisposed to type 2 diabetes and how consuming blueberries might affect their sensitivity to making insulin. And that doesn't describe the effect. I'm just saying that the work that we did, that was new for us at the time. So we investigated that and actually had some very exciting hits, positive research that came back. We've invested other areas where uh, we didn't get uh, positive hits. Blueberries aren't a cure-all for everything. You know, because you do the work doesn't mean you get the results you want. This is independent science, strong science. This is a skeptical public. It's really important to document your findings. And good science just isn't done one time. It's done multiple times. It's examined from different angles. Maybe it's a different population group. Maybe one group is elderly. Maybe the next group is middle-aged like this. You need to continue to look at it and document it. The last part of this, and I think is important, we started this 20 years ago. So now we've got 40-year-olds that have households that have included blueberries in their, their household that are making sure they're in front of their kids and their kids have grown up. But 
that baby that was born 20 years ago to that household, they're just getting into college now. What information are we going to provide them and the next generation so they can have the data to decide for themselves? Because they're not going to necessarily want to look at their parents' data. They're going to want to look at their own data. We need fresh information, documented, plus the science improves. Constantly, the science is changing. And so we've got to take advantage of those and fund those techniques to constantly have a fresh message. I don't see it as an endpoint. I see it as a process. And in that way, I almost sense that there's just this limitless, and in your case, having been chair, an unsatiable appetite to try and continue to see what's next in health research for the blueberry. And I've always been impressed at the passion you have still for what yet is yet to come and this commitment to the overall strategy that has been ongoing for so many years as USHBC. And I just think to myself, and maybe you can reflect on this, where would we be today if this commitment hadn't have been there? And if it's not USHBC, does any of this work get done? Like, How, how would this otherwise be accomplished if it wasn't through the dedication of the USHBC growers and the industry working together? Like, is there another way that this could have all been brought together like it has been over the last 20 years? I don't see any way it could have been done. There may have been blueberry research, just like there was when I mentioned when Dr. Joseph did this work years ago, back in the late 90s. There may have been independent research because blueberries are an interesting thing for researchers that are doing work on food and human health. They, they're interested in doing. But research funds are extremely limited. They're much more limited from government. They're much more limited in the university systems. We provide that seed funding to get this going, and we build on that. And I don't think um, there's any way that this uh, would have been done. The exciting thing, and those that listen in will learn more about this, but once you build this platform of knowledge, things build on that. One of the parts is some of the largest projects, um, research projects we're involved in now, very large clinicals, multi-million dollar clinicals, well between 10 and $20 million per study. We're not spending any funding money to run the program. They only asked us to supply the product. And just think about that. We can participate in a $15 million study across the country, human clinicals, that are going to involve blueberries. And what they want us to do is supply the product. Talk about leveraging our investment. That would never have happened if we didn't have that body of knowledge. And those researchers came to us. We didn't go to them. They came to us and said, could you help us with this? Would you be willing to supply product and blueberries? I wonder, and, and maybe you have an opinion on this, but have we as an industry gotten so used to the success of our body of work helping to inform consumers and our marketing program that now we're 
taking for granted the effort that this takes? I mean, do you do you sense that you know as an industry we may be we may be taking this work for granted in terms of its impact on the industry and its ability to drive future generational consumption over time? I don't I don't believe we're taking it for granted, but I do worry that there could be a thinking that we've arrived, that this is common knowledge. Everybody knows about it. We don't need to do any more work. And if you look into, for example, what we're funding now, we're in whole new areas that really that science didn't even exist. Uh, Here's an example. Uh, Right now, some of the greatest advancements in food nutrition, in the science of food nutrition and its effects, are in looking at the microbiome, your gut health. It may not be what you eat. It might be what you absorb that affects your human health in very great ways. It might be the mix of your flora, your bacteria that are in your gut that are huge drivers for our health. We weren't even talking about that five years ago. And now it's one of the hottest research areas going. Well, we're in the middle of that and studying there. There's a great example. I think that we could think, wow, we're already there. Everybody knows we don't need to keep this up. I think it's actually more important than ever. Yeah. Well, I don't know if if you knew or not, you were already in the space before a lot of this health research. But did you, Dave, did you know that it was going to blow up like it did and be as you know successful in this health area as it's become? No. No? Didn't, didn't see it coming. Uh, I'll... Uh, Not even a little bit. You didn't have some instinct like there's something special here. It may be... Uh, here's that- how embarrassing this was. Uh, years ago, I got a call from one of the growers that, geez, they're doing some work. They're going to be measuring this ORAC activity, this level of compounds in all fruits and vegetables, and they're they're not going to be including blueberries. And I said, geez, that's terrible. We've got to work on that and, and maybe give them a call. And we did, and they included blueberries, and then blueberries end up at the top of the heap. And that <laughs> kind of started it all. But I don't think we've learned so much as this is gone. I don't think we've really, I didn't personally see it coming and it's incremental. And you know, the great thing about this, we're going to hear from the keynote speaker there on our science day and uh, from a scientist here that's really led the way that has sat on president's commissions on diet. That is one of the authorities in this area. And he happens to sit on our science advisory board. This science is getting so complex. We utilize some of the leading scientists in their field of uh, cancer, cardiovascular, epidemiological uh, work, microbiome. We've assembled these experts and we bring them together to help us review these proposals to see that they're sound. But, you know, after that meeting, when you're sitting down having a glass of wine or a beer, you can really ask them, what do you think about all of this? And you can get deeper. And that's that's a plug for this committee, because that's really interesting to get 
get these folks that are world-class around at a table. And they're true believers. And that is um, invigorating and tells us that we need to continue learning and documenting more. It's a process, not an endpoint. Amen. Well, this has been a fantastic discussion. And in and, and so many ways, like you've already said, like, I feel like we're just getting started talking about, you know, something that we're just getting started with as an industry, but there's been so much great work and my hat's off to you and your, your committee. And obviously all of the industry who has recognized this as a, as a really important priority of, of moving our, our industry forward over the next however many years. It's been fun. Yeah. And, you know, since we still have you, I know we're going to have this great opportunity to get together here not too long from now in the virtual conference and expo. But, you know, what would you, you know, anything that you'd like to encourage or anything you'd like to share before we let you go? I think what I'd like to encourage is, um, you know, this is a great opportunity coming up. It'll be virtual, but this is an opportunity for growers all around the country or anywhere around the world, but particularly our growers across the states to log in, learn about the council, what they're doing. They'll recognize the faces in those committee meetings, spend a little time and recognize the work that's being done to create value for your crop. And just, it's going to be easy. You don't have the day of travel over. You don't have the day back. You don't have all the dollars to spend. This only requires your time. That's all. In fact, registration is free. I even forgot that till you brought it up. Man, what a great opportunity. If you're a grower, wherever you are, log in, check it out, spend a few hours, learn. And I think it'll be valuable for your time. So that's, that's my plug. Uh, I'm really excited for it to reach out to parts of the industry that hasn't had a chance to, uh, to be involved in the past. Well, I'm excited about it. It's, it's a unique opportunity to do all those things. And, and yet, you know, we wouldn't be able to do all those things without the support of our sponsors. And I do want to acknowledge before I let you go that, you know, our deep appreciation for Fall Creek's presenting sponsorship. Uh, you're helping us provide for our third day, which is the Health Research and Genetics Day. So we're very grateful for your continued commitment to USHBC, obviously in the case of the sponsorship for the NABC USHBC Virtual Conference and Expo. We just could not do this without your support, Dave, and obviously your team there at Fall Creek. So we appreciate that as well. But it has been a tremendous opportunity to be with you today. I appreciate this time and obviously your commitment over time to bring us to this place as an industry and, you know, just really appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Casey. I've enjoyed it. Well, I really enjoyed today's conversation with our chair, our health research chair, Dave Brazelton. He's always got a lot of great insights about this business and and what it takes and how far we've come. But uh, a few key takeaways for me in this conversation, you know, I always get something from my conversations with Dave, but uh, I really appreciated this, the sense that, you know, we're dealing with an increasingly skeptical public. And I think he put a fine point on good science doesn't just happen once. And we, we just really need to stay committed 
in this effort because it needs to be validated over and over again. And it's not an end point. This is a process. And so when I think about the investment that's been made over 20 years in this area and the investment ahead by USHBC on behalf of the industry in order to drive demand domestically, globally, uh, we are on the we're we're the point of the spear for a lot of this, and it's been a dedicated effort amongst industry stakeholders for a long time, and I think it just really reflects well on our industry. Um, and finally, you know, I, I enjoyed that mention of did you know did Dave know that blueberries before he got too far down the road? Did he really know that blueberries were going to blow up and enjoy the the wave, the blue wave that we talk about that it's enjoyed? Uh, he said he didn't know, but but man, it has been uh, very fortunate to have uh, his leadership along that ride. And uh, again, just appreciate the time that he's spent over the years uh, dedicated to this leadership capacity. Well, that's it for episode 12. We'll be back next week with more innovation, collaboration, family, and hard work right here on the Business of Blueberries. <laughs>